Okay. So Acts 1, we just read from, is fascinating because we are allowed a sneak preview about an incredible transition that takes place from the resurrection up to the ascension, which is an incredible transition because it's 40 days. And Tim just prayed because we've been 40 years in this city. And I thought, oh my goodness, that feels a long time. But anyways, and I said last time that 40 years, or 40 rather, in the scriptures is an incredibly significant number. And I said last time there are 146 references to the number 40 in the Bible. How many of you think it could be quite significant? 146 references to the number 40. Whether days, hours, years, months, whatever, there's 146 references to the number 40 in the Bible. And what it seems to signify, without overdoing it, it seems to call into being some kind of transition that goes on where men's hearts are tested, there are trials, changes happen, and God does something inside us that gets us ready for the outbreak of the next chapter or the fulfillment of his promise. Hello. That's quite exciting. I'm working hard. That's all right. I'm really happy. I just, just like a bit of, you know, kind of... 40 means something's going on that's a transition towards the outbreak of what God wants next. And so from the resurrection, which we talked about last time, yippee, without which we're all completely wasting our time, from the resurrection to the ascension is 40 days. And we said last time in that time, you know, all sorts of things. Jesus kept slipping into rooms and going again. All that kind of amazing stuff was happening. And then here we are now in tonight's reading. Thank you, me very much. In tonight's reading, where it's the last words of Jesus before he ascends to heaven. And then there's ten more days, and then what happens? Tell me something. The Holy Spirit comes. All right, okay. Thank you. It just got a tad exciting. Actually, it was the great. I, I'm get, okay. We're going to go down a bit. It was the greatest outpouring of heaven ever seen in the whole of creation on earth. Thank you. So, so here we are, 40 days, and in that time, I want you to hear it because I actually think it has relevance to us now. God is transitioning from a period where Jesus gathered his disciples. He gathered his disciples to instruct them and teach them and show them the kingdom. And then he resurrected from the dead. And then in the period up to the ascension, he's getting them ready for the greatest release of his disciples ever. From gathering, he transitions to release of what they were born for. How do you get quite excited at the thought you might get released for what you were born for? And therefore, transition is all about my heart being changed enough to understand what he really wants and then go for it. And actually, this is pretty exciting. So here's, here's what you just read out. I'm going to have to be quick because you have short sermons in the Anglican Church. So here's, here's what actually happened. So in, in, in this last few sentences that you read, two things happen before Jesus leaves. First of all, they say to him, So Jesus, is this the time you're going to bring your kingdom back to Israel? In other words, you're going to get rid of the Romans and then God can have his kingdom again in this natural place called Israel. How many of you know that wasn't God's agenda? And how many of you know it's r- weird that after all Jesus had talked about, they still have a dumb question? 
In other words, they're still expecting some expression of the kingdom and therefore Jesus has to adjust what they're thinking, their mindset to say, no guys, I'm not going to get rid of the Romans. This is a completely different kingdom and by the way, it's not for you to know the times and dates your father has set. So here's Jesus, first of all, he's changing their whole understanding of what he wants so that they're positioned right to receive how he wants to give his kingdom. All right? Uh, for, for Sue and I, that's my lovely wife over there, wave at me, honey. Just, it makes me secure. For Sue and I, honestly, I would say the last 10 years and the 40 years, all the time my whole thinking has been revolutionized by God. Otherwise, I'm going to be in the way of what he wants to do next. Because the older you get, the more possibility you're in the way. That's not a comment on the elderly, by the way, okay? It just means I must change my thinking to embrace what he wants to do and not presume I know what he wants to do. So that's part of the transition. So here they're saying, Jesus, and he says, no, it's not for you to know the times and dates. By the way, can I just put it as a little side? I don't believe we should quest, chase, look for things that aren't ours to have from heaven. There are certain things the Father owns as his and they're secret and they're not available to us. Aren't they? This is just a side one, okay? Because some people spend their life pursuing things that aren't available to us because they're sort of somehow curious to know things God hasn't wanted us to know. So it says in Deuteronomy 29, by the way, which is a fascinating, it says the secret things belong to the Lord our God. They're his. They're his property, the secret things. Isn't that interesting? He is God, by the way. He does have the right to maintain the treasures he wants private to himself, and then he reveals other things, and that scripture, Deuteronomy 29, 29, goes on and says this, but the things revealed to us are ours and for our children. Isn't that amazing? I think, you can just nod and say, I've got to say yes, because he's got the microphone. Okay, it's just, it's just that there are some things that are secrets we're not to chase, and there are other things revealed to us that the greatest treasures we can have, and they do belong to us. All right, that was just an adjustment, he says to his disciples. And then this is the verse for the evening, okay? Verse 8 says this. This is what it says. You know it, but this is actually foundational to the whole Acts book. And it says, but, so you can't have that, but you will receive power. Say power. power. Say power. power. That sounds like Welsh, doesn't it? <laughs> Sorry. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Dunamis. You will. It's not like you may. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And, what does it say? You will be my what? I'm going to make you work. I'm sorry, it's Sunday evening. I'm going to make you be my what? Witnesses. Okay. So here's what Jesus is doing. He's just about to leave the whole earth to ascend to heaven. And he's saying his last magnificent promise to the ones he spent 40 days preparing for what's going to come. But you will receive power. How, how many of you think, please, please help me, that was, that was for them. We're not kind of included in that in some way, are we? You've got, to, you've got to get that. Please, yeah, it's serious. So, 
I actually think we're included in this promise. And I actually think we are currently in a massive transition of the body of Christ to get our hearts ready to understand what he wants of his kingdom and then to be ready to be empowered to be released in the most incredible way. I believe the whole body of Christ, if you want to, this is my perspective and Sue's, I believe we're in a huge transition where he's forging something in our hearts that when his power comes on upon us, we will steward it but never own it. You know, none of you want to have things as normal, do you, forever? Would you like this to go on forever, just like this? No, no, something burns in your heart, say, God, there's got to be more. Doesn't it? Who's, who's under 20 here? Would you raise your hand if you're under 20? Well, put your hand up anyway, you might get the blessing. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, so if you're under 20, there must be a longing that says, God, there has to be more. Do you know, you receive power. Um, I thought, when I read that last night, I thought, I thought of times when I've seen the power of the Holy Spirit come upon human beings in an incredible way. And it's always made me go, ah, this is something else. H- have you ever seen that happen? you ever seen the Holy Spirit come upon a human being? <laughs> and they're different. Because some divine enablement is coming on them and it's changing them. You just told me we're all included, by the way, so now watch out. I have these memories. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not going to speak very clearly. Well, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'll, I'll try and do the biblical stuff. But I have this memory in my memory bank of moment throughout my journey where the power of God has come so powerfully upon a human being, I've kind of looked and thought, God, this is you. This is you. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the Holy Spirit isn't a misty little kind, comforting cloud. He is the very Godhead himself in a powerful manifestation that when he comes upon a man or woman, he transforms them into who they really are in heaven's sight. And it's nothing to do with age. It isn't to do with age, is it? Well, it's a bit late now. It isn't a bit late! Or I've made too much of a mess. Jesus said in Acts 1, he said, it's the promise of the Father and he will come upon you. When, when, when um, this is personal, but I, I wouldn't say that. We have five children and, and, and uh, one of our children, when they were a teenager, about 15, and they were a normal teenager, if you have a normal teenager, I don't know what that means, but anyway, they, they, they were a teenager anyway, and, and, and they loved God in a very simple way, just normal, you know, part of a church and, and this child of ours, I'm trying not to say who they were, because otherwise you'll think about that all the time. This, this child of ours, 14, 15, went to a meeting one evening in the forum. And they were speaking from Acts 2. And this child of ours, I, I you know, just loved God very simply, but hadn't any sort of great raging passion for God or whatever. This child of ours went to the meeting, I dropped this child off, came back at 10 o'clock to collect this teenager, and my, uh, two of our other sons were there. Do you remember this evening? Two of our other sons were there. And I was in a bit of a grumpy mood. I'm sorry. I was in a grumpy mood. I think I was grumpy because I was an eternal chauffeur. 
So I was waiting outside the building, and I'm sat there, and I want to go home because I, it's late. And my son comes. I says, where's this other one? And they said, well, they're trying to get this other one out. I said, what do you mean they're trying to get this other one out? Come on, I want to go home. They said, like, they can't get this other one out. I said, well, what's going on? And then soon, this teenage, I'm trying to say their name, person of our family comes out. And I, I, the Holy Spirit had come on them so powerfully. I didn't know what to do with myself because they were prophesying, interceding, speaking into the city. This is our little adolescent child. And they are transformed, and I'm still grumpy. I think, what sort of fuss are you making? Heaven help me. And they get in the car, they can't get them in because they're so full of the Spirit, prophesying, declaring, warring, saying things my little child would never say. Because actually they're born to be a warrior, this one. And so they're in the car and it's noisy and I think, what has happened to them? This is ridiculous. Come on, just quiet down a bit. We're going home. I don't want to fuss. This is terrible. I, but I, I was a bit, a bit grumpy. So, okay. Sorry, Ellie, I was grumpy. Okay. And, so, and so we get home and we had the visiting speaker who was speaking, staying with us as well. And I think they knew, the speaker knew I was grumpy. And they said, you better take note of this. The Lord's come. The Lord's come. And he's come to somebody I would never expect the Holy Spirit would fall on them in such a powerful way. And I remember, honey, for weeks this infection went round the whole of this particular child's circle of friends. The power of God came on them and they were just, they were like animals. I don't mean in a, in a wrong way. Do you understand? They, they just would not stop praying for people, prophesying, warring, interceding, not in some intense way, I just felt the fear of God come on me, like, Paul, don't mess with this. The Holy Spirit's come. He's come. I don't know why. It went on for weeks. Can you imagine that? But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. In 1994, uh, we were involved in uh, leadership in the church in the forum. Many of you know this, but I'm just going to quickly relay this. In 1994, we'd been involved with the church 20 years. We had worked our socks off. We, we, we'd chased every promise, every vision, every you know, prophetic word, everything. We'd worked very, very hard. And then we heard news the Holy Spirit was coming on men and women all around the nation. You, you may not have been around then, you may have been, but I tell you what, something was afoot as though heaven had moved powerfully all over the nation. How many of you remember that and know anything about that? Anybody here kind of got a little bit of, okay, not many. But it was all over the nation. And it was amongst the Anglican church. And I'm not an Anglican. How could that happen? That was a joke. Please. All right. <laughs> so you might, you might sit there thinking, you arrogant pig. No, I was a joke, okay. And so one day in the forum, I was so 
desperate for the Holy Spirit. I thought, God, here we are. We're meant to be on the sharp end and the Holy Spirit's falling on men and women all around the nation. And we're just carrying on doing church. And I was desperate inside and I was a leader. It's okay to be a leader and desperate, isn't it? Isn't it? It's okay to be a leader and not have it all together. Isn't it? Which is probably better. And so one day in the forum in 1994, in June, where are we going next month? I almost remember the date. One Sunday, we stood up and said this. This is what we said. And I was shaking as I said it. I said, you know what? We've nothing left in the bag. We've tried our hardest. We've done everything we can do. You were probably there. And I said, why don't we ask the Holy Spirit to come on us? Truthfully, I was really scared. I was scared either way. A lot of people, I thought, supposing he doesn't come, then what am I going to do? Because I've just confessed we've nothing left. So what do we do if he doesn't come? You stand there and say, please come Holy Spirit and there's utter silence everybody waits and looks at their watch or their mobile phone and that would be terrible but then my other worry was supposing he does come I don't know what to do and so I kind of had everybody standing there feeling completely out of my depth nervous and said Holy Spirit would you come and help us because we've got nothing left and I, as far as I can remember it I don't, I don't know whether you can as far as I can remember it I remember I had no experience of the Holy Spirit coming on men and women in a moment right across the forum the Spirit fell on men and women all over the room just, just outrageously just like you couldn't call it you know what do you call it when you manufacture a crowd um uh, you know, manipulation or you, you couldn't because I was stood there trembling like some poor little bunny out of my depth and he enters the room all over the room and falls on men and women all over the room and the power of God came on men and women so they became different than they were before and I remember standing there and turning to my friend whose name was Chris and saying Chris like it was really scary. I said, Chris, he said, yes, I don't know what to do. I'm out of my depth. I was kind of like, what do you do now? And he said, nor do I. <laughs> really good friend. <laughs> Which again is probably the best place for a leader, isn't it? I don't know what to do. I, I don't mean leaders. Do you understand what I'm saying in that, don't you? I... I I was astonished. I'd never seen anything like it with the Holy Spirit coming on men and women. As many of you know, it went on for weeks and months and years where regularly the Holy Spirit would come on men and women. Powerfully. And it wasn't like a little giggle or a little... It was powerfully men and women. I wish I could tell you those stories were changed in those months People ran back to God. Things were healed. People were released of depression. And I thought, I think this could be Jesus. Why? Because the fruit is so good. I don't care what anybody thinks. I'd rather have that than business as usual. I didn't mean to say any of this, but it's okay, isn't it? 
Do you understand? Because you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And that started a whole journey for Sue and I. I'd never experienced that. And yet it's right through the book of Acts and the whole of the New Testament, isn't it? And you know, here's the deal, I suppose, that truthfully, without that, the other bit can't happen. It seems to me that's what Jesus was saying before he ascended. Wasn't he saying that? He was saying, guys, wait, wait. Yes, you've got the commission, you've got the kind of mandate to go, but wait until you receive the promise the Father's given you. The Holy Spirit will come on you. And so the transition often is about my heart changing, my whole understanding of his kingdom being completely turned and then a promise that the empowerment's coming before I start getting released to go. I, I could tell you, I, I was sat with a woman this week. Oh, I don't want to... A person. It's a bit late to say that now, isn't it? It's the wrong way around. And this person is involved nationally with something very, very important in the policy of the government. I mean, I, I won't go into it, but nationally. And in the conversation, it becomes very clear that this person has no desire to have that task, but they know God has told them that's what they're to do. They just feel so frail, so unable that when they get on the train, or whatever it is, they have this sick feeling inside of, <laughs> I haven't got anything. But when they get in the situation where God's placed them, which is nationally strategic, they said to me, but when I get in that place, the Holy Spirit comes on me, and I feel like I'm completely different, and I have all this wisdom and understanding, and it all pours out of me, and I feel like this is what I'm born for. And then they come out like, oh, what was that about? Like, what happened? The Holy Spirit came on them and they had the power to fulfill what they're called for because it isn't in them naturally. Can I be really honest with you? And in my own life personally, I've wrestled with the issue of weakness versus calling. Because I kept thinking it's to do with how much I can get in the bag in order to fulfill what I know he's called me to do which is stupid because there isn't enough in the bag, and why didn't I rise in the first place and ask for him his power to come on me? Like we did in the church in 1994. We were really saying, God, we don't actually have it. Do you know that's the first doorway to an outpouring of heaven is the acknowledgement, we haven't got it. I don't have it. I don't have it. In fact, I'd like to be so daring is to say in this room every single calling or dream or yearning that's in your heart of which there are many in this room that came from God is impossible you like that didn't you I'm serious if, if I think it's possible guess what I'm going to do I'm going to get on with it in my own strength I can do that one I've done it I believe there are dreams, callings, releases that are only possible when the Holy Spirit comes on us and then we thrive because that's what you're made for but with his enabling. D does that make sense? Do you want to agree with me or disagree with me? You can disagree. But I honestly believe what I'm called to do and what you're called to do is impossible if I think it's going to be something I can get enough in the bag to do. 
That's the exciting thing is in this room, when it comes to release time, what you might call an apostolic season, the Spirit will come on this one, on that one, and this one, and that one, and the power of God will cause you to feel like, this is what I'm made for. And yet, outside of the Holy Spirit, you'll think, I'm a sad little bunny, I can't do that. And here's a ridiculous thing. How about saying to the disciples who'd all failed and betrayed Jesus, how about saying, by the way, guys, when the power comes on you, it's for Jerusalem, it's all Judea and Samaria, oh, and it's to the ends of the earth. I mean, that's a reasonable sized vision, isn't it? Don't you think? These guys are just kind of messed around in Jerusalem, betrayed Jesus, and, you know, still ask dumb questions. And he says, okay, now when the Spirit comes, it's going to go to the ends of the earth, which is the story of the book of Acts, isn't it? I'm nearly finished because it's 25 to 7. And in a minute, a bell's going to go. All right. But do you understand, please, I'm trying to get something across, because I actually feel that's where a little bit where the body of Christ is. It's moving from a period of one season of being gathered to a period where our hearts are so transformed with an understanding of what he wants to do with his kingdom that we're ready for the Holy Spirit to come on us in a whole new way and empower us. It's not necessary to the ends of the earth, although, by the way, apparently there are very few languages left in the earth now where the gospel hasn't been heard. Isn't that astonishing? More persecution today than ever, yet the gospel seems to be thriving than ever. I was talking to a, a, an Indian pastor this week, a very dear friend in Delhi, and he's just telling me shocking stories. I was shocking of what's going on in India, persecution-wise. And I said to him, I said, but what's happening? Are people coming to Jesus? He said, more than ever. All over the place, people are encountering Jesus in dreams and visitations. And it's like the more you persecute and squeeze, the more this gospel breaks loose in profound, powerful ways. So you may be called to the ends of the earth. You may be called to be a teacher in a school in Bath. Whatever, the Holy Spirit comes upon us and empowers us to go way beyond what we naturally have in the bag. It just needs humility, doesn't it? just needs, I, I, I can't do it. But Lord, would you release your Holy Spirit on me so I can fulfill all that you've given me to do. I like that. I mean, how many times do you have to ask? Does it all happen in one night? I, I don't know how ready my heart really is for what's coming next. I'm not sure, honestly. I think I'm still caught in quite a transition. But I know that in Ephesians 5, when it says, keep being filled with the Holy Spirit, it's an invitation to us at least constantly say, Holy Spirit, I need you. I really need you. Hey, if you've got finals, how about the Holy Spirit comes on you to give you favor and success, which is beyond your ability. And when it comes up that you passed, you just remember, dear Holy Spirit, thank you. You, you get, you know, Ellie, how about, you know, all of you guys doing exams, how about saying, Holy Spirit, would you come on me and give me an ability I don't have? Do you know, we weren't even born to live without the Holy Spirit. Were we? And I've had such a funny mixture in my life because I'm a bit of a stubborn guy and I like to go for it. And as soon as I hear God, I think, let's go. Let's go. No, 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 wait until. And then when he comes on us, it's a different 
flow altogether of ability. And so we keep asking him, and maybe there's a season in the body of Christ where we, like, like at the end of this passage, which Mew read, what happens at the end? Well, Jesus is ascended. I'm going to cover this passage if I have to do it in one minute. Jesus ascends. That's the last thing he says. You receive power. And then he ascends, which I'd love to talk to you about because I don't believe he went up like a rocket, but that's another whole conversation. I really don't. I think we have a wrong understanding of heaven. But that... Don't you think so, Mark? Yeah, good. Okay. I really do. I think we have a wrong understanding of heaven. I think with like a two t- we think two-tier, like heaven's very far up, and Jesus goes... I think it's... You know, I don't think it's true. Anyways, that's, that's the ascension, okay? <laughs> Tim will help you with that next time. <laughs> He's going to talk about the ascension next week. <laughs> Do you understand? Anyway, what, what is it? but it ends up, what does it end up? They all go back into Jerusalem to obey what Jesus said by getting together in an upper room, didn't they? All of them, the women as well, which isn't a nod to women, it's the forecast that in the new era, the new testament, the new covenant, men and women together will stand before heaven and it says they all together continually prayed yippee what happens if that happens in Bath what happens if multitudes of men and women all together continually praying what's going to happen can you imagine can you imagine I'll tell you what's going to happen there'll be an outpouring of the power of God upon his people that will electrify the church and cause them to be released to apostolic initiatives which will go all over the place and this gospel will come alive very powerfully. And you are born for that. You are called for that. And it's not to be cloned. When it says witnesses, it doesn't mean say you'll have a whiteboard on the, you know, forgive me, but the high street of Southgate, whatever. You know, it doesn't mean that only. There's nothing wrong with a whiteboard, don't please kill me. But it just means, it just means you will be sent into all sorts of arenas of this society, but the power of the Holy Spirit will make you different than you would have been on your own. Do you understand? And the, I'm, getting, I'm getting at The witness, please, this is one thing. The witness... I know. The witness isn't you suddenly just shout Jesus all the time. It means God takes your journey and your story with all its pains, successes, joys, failures, failures. He takes your story and because you've always held his hand, he wraps your story up into a powerful witness about who Jesus is. And people are stunned with its authenticity because you're not preaching a doctrine. You're telling them, this is my story. And it's a witness to the one I love above all else. And by the way, I made a mess and he came and he took me out of the mess. And people in a mess get hope because you're witnessing to what he does in a mess. So every story in this room actually is powerful because God is weaving it together to express something of the gospel that's peculiar to how he's led you. And you will be my witnesses. Okay. So will you, will you keep tender and open to keep asking the Holy Spirit 
to come in this family. You know, just, just like an attitude. It's like a, it's like a kind of an inner Holy Spirit. I never want to forget how much I need you. I, I'm looking at a little, a little, a rank. And you're in this rank, aren't you? Under 20s. And actually, our child was 14, I think it was. Honey, was it? 15? When the Spirit came on them. And again, it reminded me, it's not to do with maturity, age. It's to do with some inner, yes please, for me. That draws him to come in that power. And I would want to say to you, these guys... Is a dream, is some sort of dream in your heart, a passion and longing to serve God. Real passion. The Spirit of God will come on these guys. And watch out, because you may be offended. Well, hang on a minute, they haven't done their time in the kingdom yet. <laughs> well, what, all I'd say is, I want to be the first one to say, pray for me, will you? Will you pray for me? Because I need what you've got. It's an attitude, isn't it, that just says, I need it. If if this I don't what's your name, sweetie? Jemima? Okay. Or whoever, Ellie. I'm I'm not trying to I, but if the spirit comes on any of them and he will, I want to have the kind of heart that says, Will you pray for me? Because I need it. So the power of God keeps me being who I've been made to be. I've overtalked, forgive me. But I want to just uh, Okay. Acts one. Just close your eyes a minute, could you? If nothing else tonight, you just remember that verse. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And you'll receive power. And it will lose some story witness through you. Holy Spirit, we really do want to honor you here tonight. Treasure your kind presence with us. So 